0: Welcome to Sound & Vision Conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process Here's the host of Sound & Vision, Brian Alfred Why I Make Art, the Sound & Vision podcast book, is just about to release It features 30 artist features, quotes from artists on themes ranging from music to art school and some of the Sound and Vision guestbook sketches by the artists. There's also a lot of images of the artist's work. It's a thick paperback, perfect for just jumping into at any point for inspiration and insight. It's available for pre-order at just $25 at Altilier Editions' website. You can find a link at Sound and Vision podcast website to order. Pre-orders are extremely helpful, so if you're planning to grab a copy, please go for it now. I'm super excited about the book. And for all of you to hold it and have it in your studio or on the train or wherever else you read about art stuff, thanks so much for the support. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The school welcomes artists from around the world to join this summer in New York City or virtually from anywhere in the world to learn from dedicated artists and to expand as a maker in the school's legendary marathon program. Rigorous and immersive marathons unfold over 10 days from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time daily, and present an extensive range of art-making strategies, comprehensive critiques, and inspirational discussions. Expansive, first-hand discoveries propel artists to relate to drawing, painting, and sculpture as direct methodologies for understanding their experience in the world, the profound impact of which continues far beyond each marathon's conclusion. Generous, partial scholarships are available, Visit nyss.org to apply today. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden make their signature line of acrylic paints, core watercolors, and Williamsburg oils. I'm starting a new group of paintings, and I'm really excited to get into it with my golden gesso, matte mediums, and my golden acrylics. I've been using golden for over 20 years, and it's never failed me in the studio. The new line of so flat gives a supremely matte surface, and if you're after shine, the gloss varnish does an amazing job. It's an employee-owned company based in upstate New York. Golden's available in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound & Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Based in Seattle, Fulcrum makes incredible coffee that you can have delivered to your door. They have subscription services where you can have different blends delivered, That you tailor to your favorite balance of coffee beans. You could save 20% on your order by entering the code AlfredStudio when you order from their site. Check out their amazing coffee at fulcrumcoffee.com. Laura Krivka is an artist born in 1985 in Los Angeles, California. She lives and works in St. Louis, Obispo, California and she received her MFA from UC Santa Barbara in 2010 and her BFA from California Polytechnic University, San Luis Obispo, in 2008, following earlier studies at Newbold College in England and Avondale College in Australia. Laura has exhibited her work at venues throughout Southern California, including the Torrance Museum of Art, Westmont Ridley Tree Museum of Art, L.A. Louvre, CB1 Gallery and Beacon Arts in Inglewood, as well as Zurabuli Gallery in Chicago, Bravin Lee Programs in New York, and Vast Space Projects in Las Vegas. Laura's work has been featured in various publications, including Los Angeles Times, The Huffington Post, Santa Barbara News, New American Paintings, and Artillery Magazine. And her work can be found in the collections of the Santa Barbara Museum of Art, Westmont Ridley Tree Museum of Art. The art design and architecture museum at the university of california santa barbara the beth rudin DeWoody woody collection in palm beach and the Pazuti collection in columbus ohio laura and i spoke about growing up around seniors painting about whatever you want religious experience ska tight black rubber and much more here's our conversation probably implode ourselves right
1: all signs point to (laughs) total (laughs) self-destruction
0: wait I think we just started the podcast officially with that all right oh okay it's all uphill from here (laughs) Woo! so where were you born you were you're a Los Angeles person through and through right
1: yeah so I was born um, and grew up in Paramount which most people know it as being kind of close to uh, Compton and my parents divorced when I was young so I lived Different places with each parent. So, also Sherman Oaks and then San Fernando Valley. So, I spent like a lot of times on the freeways of Los Angeles, commuting from parents' house to parents' house. So, I feel very at home on a freeway.
0: I've never even, I, I'm really bad, honestly, with the Los Angeles geography. I don't know it well, but um, I've never even heard of Paramount. At first, I thought you were saying that you were. Brought up on a movie set. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. no, it's just a, it's an old part. Um, it's like kind of more towards, I guess, Long Beach, like going further south. And yeah, now hopefully I'm not screwing it up. I lived there until I was like 11. So um, yeah, uh, grew up grew up around there, and it just was, you know, like suburbs, hot. Um, Fun in a way, like a lot of kids, our our area was where everybody went trick-or-treating. So there's just like hundreds of kids getting out by the busload and it was fun. Our car got broken into a bunch. Um, nice. <laughs> like every full moon, our car got broken into for a while, oh, which weird. was odd. Yeah. It was in the air. It was in the air. What? It was a 1992 Toyota Previa, the one that kind of like those blue egg-shaped cars. Um, oh, yeah. But it had a teeny tiny television in it and it just kept getting stolen over and over again
0: <laughs> So fun. random so wait but you it sounds like you bounced around a lot
1: yeah so I lived all around there and then we moved my mom and stepdad moved to Newberry Park which is like Ventura County uh, so it's like 45 minutes north of LA uh, okay. because my stepdad got hired to work at a retirement center and we moved onto the property so from 11 to 18 I was living at A retirement center like an old folks home and i worked there and
0: (laughs) you're comfortable around old people i am very
1: comfortable around the elderly are Um, you
0: an old soul
1: uh (laughs) obviously yes (laughs) i'm very wise um Uh, i have a lot of opinions i like self-assured old caramels from the bottom of my purse
0: that makes sense Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) you like old movies ragtime
1: I like the ragtime. Yeah. Well, my dad was older, um, not like geriatric old, but he was 50 (sighs) when I was born. And so I think, yeah, so his cultural taste, what, like it was jazz and uh, he played like trumpet in his 20s. Nice. Yeah. So I think in some way, like I grew up listening to like an obscene amount of Frank Sinatra, because he idolized oh, frank he sinatra that? he was from new oh, york he was I from was brooklyn he grew you know was born in the 30s
0: yeah sure <laughs> yeah
1: so like <laughs> that era felt very magical to me and like what being an adult was like was you know living in a frank sinatra song
0: yeah what did you like other stuff to like the old big band yeah like old big bunny band Berrigan stuff. style you know like the old timey stuff he I love liked, that music. That's why I ask.
1: Yeah, he liked. I mean, it's hard because he he died when I was seventeen. So I think the age in which you start to become aware of your parents being cool or uncool, uh, and you like discover their taste. I didn't have because uh, he he started dying when I was eleven, and so really, it's oh, like geez. my my conception of who he is is really limited to the perception of a child. Right. Um. But like, he really liked Tito Puente. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we rem- go. Now we're talking. A thing? That's In not a weird
0: at all. You said that as if it's like a weird tangent. I mean, Tito Puente was like oh, amazing. You know, no, it was just great. Like, mania. Yeah, yeah. It's that's so good time music.
1: All of that stuff feels like my chi- my childhood feels like that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And uh what about visually? What What's sort of like? How would you describe your visual childhood?
1: Um. Gosh, that's such an interesting question. You should start a podcast. Um, No, it was like thinking about it. Thinking about it.
0: Um,
1: So I grew up next door in Paramount to my grandmother, who was um, like an obsessive maker. Uh, Like she grew her own vegetable garden in the backyard, and she had over four hundred. Indoor African violets um, like set up under lights like she had a whole room dedicated to African violets and a whole room dedicated to sewing and it was just like stacks and stacks of material and different prints and uh, also made her own porcelain dolls. So her sure. entire living room were these little tableaus of tiny porcelain dolls and clothes that she had made that she had painted and put wigs on, like playing baseball, That's not creepy. having a tea <laughs> party. <laughs> so.
0: Was it creepy? Um, dolls in, in yes. mass seem like they could be kind of creepy.
1: No, it's gen like as an adult, I can right. say like walking into that, it would have been creep factor a <laughs> thousand As a kid, I'm
0: sure it was great. Yeah, yeah, as
1: a kid, you know, it's just like, oh, artificial, over-the-top, like, plant matter, weird prints from the 60s and 70s. Um, Yeah, totally. And so I think that that was the visual culture of my childhood. Um, Eclectic,
0: but robust.
1: Very, very, very much so. Um, And you know the like art stuff was very much you know thomas kincaid um like Why pretty not? mall art kind of things um that makes so yes yeah, yeah I, I was listening to a podcast that you did with someone i don't remember who but you they, they mentioned like how they never were introduced to contemporary art until they went to college and you're like well, that's actually just true for most people. <laughs> that's true. I was gonna say
0: that's that's probably a few artists that I've yeah. Talked that's to. like yeah. that's
1: like all of us. Um, but well, that, then it
0: blows your mind even more sometimes when you don't oh go God. for it. It's like someone who hasn't who didn't hear rock and roll until they were in like high school or something. Like, Whoa, <laughs> what is this? You know, that's like what it Led was Zeppelin. like.
1: Yeah, I remember being in art school and like um, you know it feeling it all feeling very opaque to me at first and wanting to like penetrate and like how do I do this and my professor showed a John Curran and it just blew my mind <laughs> it was just like yeah. guitar riff to me or it's like oh like you can <laughs> like talk about art history and still make paintings that are really like hand invested on the canvas and like make jokes and misbehave that was that was a really big moment for me as a young oh, person.
0: that's funny that that like connect you know that really connected because current is like, you know, that's not like, you know, the first step into the pool, you know, no. what I mean? as <laughs> far as that's concerned, you know, cause my high school teacher showed me a video, the Han's name of the video of a Pollock painting on glass. Yeah. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> that's amazing. Like you can do that. You know, it's just, it boggle. I couldn't put it together, yeah. you know, but it definitely piqued my curiosity. Yeah. And, I think- uh,
1: I think that's the place I had been at for a while where I was just like, how, like, like, how do I connect what I'm interested in to what all these people are doing that seem really right. smart? And then I saw, like, a version of myself finally in that sphere of, like, things that I care about. And it was, you know, it was that moment of, like, okay, I think I found my people. Like, this yeah. this feels like a world that I can belong to and not have to fake being smart or interesting like I could just be my weird paramount self
0: was uh well that was nice a double entendre on that um (laughs) paramount so did you I mean did you have precedent as far as like creativity being something that you know people did around you or that you felt like could transition into like a life path or did you just feel like I just want to do this
1: I think, I mean, to some extent, watching my grandmother work was um, that kind of work ethic was just embedded into me from watching her. And my father was, you know, in his 20s, he played trumpet and was part of the uh, jazz band for the Navy. And so it was sort of this love of music, and he would take us to museums and, um, like, he introduced me to Waterhouse when I was a kid with these books. And I was just like, Oh my God, naked, beautiful mermaids. Like, yes. (laughs) Um, And and he also was trying to be a writer and never succeeded. Um, And it never happened for him before he passed. Um, But I was aware of there being like a creative life. And my mom was really supportive of me doing anything I wanted, uh, really. Um, and I think art was the only thing I, everybody says this, it's so cliche, but it was the only thing I felt like I was good at, um, it was the only thing I really excelled at. Cause school was really hard for me.
0: Yeah. Um, what and did you, were you sketching too? Was this something like drawing was, I mean, yeah. like all kids draw, you know? Yeah, no,
1: I was like really into it. I actually just found some of my old drawings, um, these like full color drawings, of. <laughs> of um christ being crucified on the cross with, whoa with like the three with the two thieves and there's just like blood like dr- i'm mean, in the first grade they're drawings from the first grade there's just like blood coming off of their skin and like pooling at the bottom um wow and, like really angsty first grader stuff um And it's weird as I can, like, there's this other drawing I remember of, I was like, I'm going to make the most beautiful forest scene ever. And it was this aerial perspective. And it's this, there's this part where there's a little deer and I was trying to draw it from an aerial perspective and I was making it up in my mind. And when I saw it, I could actually remember doing it like as a-
0: Oh yeah, the process.
1: Yeah. of Of like a seven year old. And I think I, from a really early age was just so like, how do I translate this thing that I can see or see in my imagination and put on a page and it was like this obsessive desire to make and to draw and to look at color and yeah so it was I was always like the class artist right
0: yeah isn't amazing to memory you probably yeah. can't remember something from like two months ago but that making that image like the, I remember one of the first paintings I did in our class probably shortly after doing or watching a Pollock video I just took like a regular sheet of paper and I painted these little different color lines and I made a band of like little marks that just, you know, look Monet-ish, but just abstract. I remember just sitting there doing it mixing all those colors like it was yesterday. Wow. But there's probably 90% of the time in between now and then that I don't remember a single thing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you ever like stumble upon a really old piece of art and you can remember like where you were when you were making it?
0: So um the only old art that exists because there was a flood in my parents basement that took out all the drawings and all the art that i did when i was little yeah but i did two two my very first paintings my mom still has hanging in the house and one is of rectory which was like i grew up in pittsburgh so it's like church church bar church bar church bar so uh, like catacorner to where we lived was a view of the rectory of the church. So I, I painted that and the other one was like an imagined view of Venice. But yes, when I look at those, I've distinctively remember like the acrylic paint and how I put it on paper. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. there's like details there yeah. and it was, you know, a long time ago. It's weird. I, it, but those kind of memories are usually creative that i have that are specific like cutting grip tape from my skateboard and like cutting a design into it i remember on my first skateboard doing that which is like a pretty specific memory you know
1: i wonder if other people have that if it's like a specific artist thing or if it's just being like a tactile person like the way you connect so significantly with like hand eye stuff
0: yeah I don't. I. I think I was listening to an interview of a guy talking about who does custom guitars, and he had very specific memories of of guitars and what he did on them. So maybe it's just the connecting with thinking about it, and the combination of like physically doing and thinking about it. Right. Right. But it might be just be an artist thing. I don't know. I'm I know, gonna I only claim talk it. To artists. It's, so. it's only no artists understand. and guitar
1: makers were special. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's pretty special. <laughs> but yeah, it's you know you you were drawing when you were young and you sort of had this roadmap of like feeling like this is what I'm comfortable doing or I'm good at this. Mm -hmm. So when did you, I mean, when it came to high school, were you already in that mode and you're thinking about graduating and you know pursuing arts after that? Or was it more of just something you were doing and you didn't have that framework yet?
1: Oh gosh. It's an interesting question because it's the question of like, when did you go from being like i'm good at art this is a career path
0: right this is what i want to do yeah almost like the the grown-up like i want to do this when i grow up you know yeah
1: i I think my answer to this is like really embarrassing and very revealing but i'm
0: i can can tell you what it is
1: um let's do it no one's listening no one listens (laughs) nobody listens to this um (laughs) so you're safe okay i feel like this keeps coming up and i'll just talk about it so um, I mentioned, like, my father died, right, and he died when I was at the end of the seventh grade, and I was, grew up really religious, and I want to, like, make it clear I'm not religious anymore, and so I, I don't stand by <laughs> this reasoning, but, um, when he died, I think I was so desperate for, like, some purpose of, like, why did this happen? What does it mean? Why would God do this to me? And I was drawing a lot. And I would draw these um, fairies out of a Brian Froud book, who was the illustrator and helped conceptualize, like, the labyrinth with Jim Henson. Like, he helped design oh, all yeah. those puppets and things. Yeah. Um, Dark Crystal, They're- right? Like, I was oh, really... Man, those- like super into it and so i was yeah, drawing so cool. out of these his books and i remember just one day it like clicked like i really understood um how to relate like one line to another in terms of space and i could copy for the first like really copy well and quickly um, yeah. his work and i remember like I remember the morning it was before school and I'm drawing this like little pixie and I get it right. And I just was like filled with this huge rush of adrenaline and I couldn't wait to come home and finish it. And then I remember thinking like, oh, this is what needed to happen. Like my dad had to die to like open up this part of myself so I could be an artist. And so I have to be an artist now. And like,
0: wow, that's, that's deep. That's heavy and deep.
1: It was a heavy little twelve-year-old, um, and so it's funny. <laughs> pretty it's like great. I, for me, it was that was always like I was going to be an artist, and it was very much tied to um, ideas about religion and like like I look at my journals from that time, and it's it's like I'm gonna paint for Christ, <laughs> like I'm gonna show wow. the world, um, and so. Yeah, like I was very earnest and wanted to make the world better and wanted to like use a, use a gift and like really believed in this idea of a gift um, and then, you know, it, that changed as, as I grew up and kind of saw the world really differently, um, but I have a lot of compassion and, and tenderness for that, that 12-year-old version of myself.
0: Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Like you were tapped to do it in that sense in relation to that event.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's, I'd,
0: I can I. imagine. That's just, that That seems like a really meaningful and, you know, even like you said, if you don't believe what you were believing at that point for that to become the entryway into, you know, this is what I'm doing. I mean, I think I was just like, well, I don't really, I was in pre-med and I was like, I don't really want to do this.
1: You were in pre-med?
0: Yeah, and then I walked through the art school and I was like, oh, this seems kind of cool. I guess I could just do this.
1: <laughs> you sound like you're good and smart at other things besides art.
0: That's debatable. No, I think I, when I was in pre-medicine, I was in a class in college my first semester with a bunch of doogie housers. Like these kids who were like geniuses. And I was like you know what the you know I I asked the kid next to me what he did over the summer and he's like oh I learned like the binary number system or something like that and I was like oh. yeah I just skateboarded all summer and I knew <laughs> I was in the wrong place <laughs> it's like maybe a surgeon isn't my calling so
1: you could have been the bad boy of the surgeon you know club i don't know
0: what Yeah no one there. wants the bad boy surgeon like <laughs> working on them you know what i mean That's True So what what was the transition to you know the work migrating out of your calling, in relation <laughs> to that religious event or that passing, to you just diving into, you know, like how was school? Because you school you me. went to school in in California as well, right? Are you a li- you're a lifer? You've have you spent a lot of time outside California?
1: I spent a year and a half outside of California. So how was um, that? It was good. I was in England for my first year of college. Um, Oh, the whole year? The whole year, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was unconventional. So it was a... My life is weird. It was um, a small... I feel like I kind of screwed up my life story when I was trying to explain it. So when I was 11, my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and also... My stepmother had just died, and so that was the like, why is everybody oh, dying? I need to become yeah. an artist. But he didn't actually die until I was seventeen, and he had he had early onset Alzheimer's, um, right. and so he died when I was seventeen. And then I was just like, I've got to get out of here. I got to like figure out who I am and not live on a retirement center. And um, my stepfather and his father before him went to the school in England called uh, Newbold which is a Seventh-day Adventist college. And they're Seventh-day Adventist, and I went to Seventh-day Adventist High School. Um, And so I went there and it was great. It was like 300 people (laughs) went to school there and it was kind of like Hogwarts, but there's no magic. Um, But it had that sense of like adventure and escaping and traveling Europe. Um, and then they have a sister school in Australia called Avondale. So I went there for half a year and then I came back to California and, um, went to school at, uh, actually at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo to finish up my three years. And, um, you know, I, I, don't feel like my real education began till I started at Cal Poly. I think England and Australia was me just having to escape my childhood, <laughs> and yeah and
0: you're learning you learn when you travel like yeah. you just learn getting outside of your environment i totally. think it's like critical really i just had i learning. had to
1: grow up and all of that kind of stuff um which i highly recommend if anyone if anyone young listens to this podcast uh go away from everybody go new. grow up <laughs> go grow up
0: <laughs> we don't grow up artists never grow up do we I'll let you know. Kids inside.
1: (laughs) We're just children. I want to draw. I want to color for a living. (laughs) I just want
0: to make pictures in my little room. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, and I went to school and I was just um, pretty ferocious. Really, (laughs) if you could imagine the person that was painting Christ bleeding on the cross and decided God chose them to be an artist was intense in school.
0: yeah you weren't laid back about it I was not laid back I was
1: kind of a lot um but I think just like you know as now that I am a professor um I can kind of again look back at myself and see that intensity and passion and drive and just like an insatiable curiosity um just wanting to wanting in I think I just wanted into this world because I could really see a future there Um, yeah
0: well this this these experiences are kind of like i almost said painting a picture jesus um do
1: it say it
0: no i i didn't just say that (laughs) it's it's informing what i've when i looked at your earlier work i can sort of see that seriousness to sort of like i don't want to say religious iconography but maybe tapping into art historical sort of like vibes of like seriousness and and you know, thinking about existence and spiritual and all that stuff. There is yeah. a heaviness to it,
1: big time. And it was it was all there. I, like I, I sometimes feel tentative to talk about my life story because I feel like it takes all the mystery out of my work. <laughs> oh, whoops! <laughs> Where it's just like, no one,
0: again, no one listens. Don't worry. Yeah, perfect, great, okay. <laughs> Secrets back on. Secrets, yes, yes.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think my early work was really me trying to work out, like what do I believe in versus the things that I grew up learning about and where do I sit in regards to these things? So I think purity was a really big deal um, at the yeah. schools that I went to and virginity, chastity, and, like, that was huge for me and trying to to reckon with how, how I felt about those things. Uh, and I think it's all in that early work. Like, um, I think I always have loved – painting and drawing the body like you know brian froud's like a bunch of naked fairies um and i was doing that at like 14 and i think that you know that images images like that are really charged when you grow up religious um and so i think was that
0: the bad is that the bad boy sort of thing in you like
1: i'm a bad boy (laughs) right (laughs) totally sinner (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally right and so I think leaning into the center thing and then playing with the line and pulling back and what does it mean to occupy these different kinds of versions of my own sexuality um and how that plays into culture that was like like meat and potatoes for me um and so the work really kind of moved that way and um, that was the work that I applied to grad school with, and I went to UC Santa Barbara straight out of my undergrad. Um, no,
0: can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, because I don't know the schools that well in California. Can you talk a, just very briefly about your undergrad, like what that school is like, and then yeah. graduate school, and what the angle was there?
1: Sure. So Cal Poly San Luis Obispo is um, it's three hours north of LA, and it has it's a. It's really where you teach now, right? And it's where I teach now. Yeah. yeah. Um, it has a really small BFA program. So it, it's, there's three concentrations, photo, graphic design, uh, uh, sorry, photo, video, graphic design and studio. And right. the studio program has about like, you know, 10 to 15 students per class, uh, like per year. And, yeah. uh, but you're mixed in with all the other majors, uh, the other concentrations. And it was great. Like I worked with, um, Michael Barton Miller, who's since passed away and then daniel dove who now teaches at long beach and um it's like it felt like going to a small private art school but with the infrastructure of a university so you're taking all these other classes besides art but then you have these really intimate class sizes um i like could i couldn't have picked a better school it was the best school i could have possibly gone to and now i work there so i'm like plugging yeah i
0: i feel like that's I mean, I, I didn't go to art school ever, oh. so I kind of... Even um, for
1: graduate school? Like, no graduate school?
0: No. No, I went to Yale, but it's not a it's not an art school.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Got it.
0: Like, I never went to, like, SVA or Pratt or, right. you know, Art Center or whatever. You know, I only went to universities, so yeah. I, I always subscribe to, you know, it's great to go to a university because usually the art classes are still relatively small, but you have this huge... amount of like classes you could take and the structure of it it's it's not like all art everyone's there as an artist sort of thing
1: totally i mean it's like when we talk about go to europe grow up like going to a university taking classes and things that you have no desire to take a class in expands your world just everything gets bigger and stranger and more complicated um and I, I mean I like complicated art so maybe I'm a little biased but I just think it it's it's a really good choice.
0: And, yeah, I agree. Uh,
1: yeah, and then UC Santa Barbara. Um, I think it's probably changed a bit since I went there. So I went to grad school in 2010. Is that right? No, I went to grad school in 20 uh, sorry 2008. I graduated in 2010, and. Um, it's another smaller program. What's great about it now is it's uh, fully funded. And so that I think that's an advantage. Yeah. There was great funding back when I was a student, but now it's like the fully funded program. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons why it's, it's changed.
0: It, it's so amazing. I, As someone who was unfunded, <laughs> I just, <laughs> and you know, like our, where I teach, you can get assistantships and it can be yeah. almost fun. You know, it's amazing to me. And it, now I'm like, why do people, if there's these, yeah, you know, they're good schools. There's good totally. schools that offer you like a three-year fully funded program. It's like, why not?
1: Why would you go in? Or
0: do oh, you wow. want to come out of school with a mountain of debt over your head? Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: It's an interesting question. I actually just got together with my, uh, two of my old colleagues from grad school, like, like last weekend. And I haven't seen them in 10 yeah. years. And we were having this conversation of like, what, what our, where would our careers be if we had held out and tried to get into Columbia or Yale, right? Like, would we be operating at a different level of the art world if that was like a, if it worked as that launching pad that I think so many people want and hope it to be? Um, and I don't know, like, i think no one knows you can't because every
0: single person is different right there are people that i went to school with at yale who just disappeared you know right you never saw them again and there's people who go to small schools in the middle of nowhere and they just kill it you know it all depends on the person it's almost like a puzzle piece like you have to get the right person and personality to fit in the right place and that's not there's no one answer for that People That's always really want to say, like, what's better to do? Like, should I do this? Should I? You know, it depends on the person. There's no stock answer, you know? Yeah. Some people have a temperament for, you know, the Art Institute of Chicago. It's going to, yeah. like, be the best thing for them. Other people will go there and disappear because it's a bigger program. Right. It, de- it, you know, it depends on the person and all that stuff, you know? Some people can pay back their loans or are responsible. <laughs> Other people will just <laughs> swim in that debt. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. know what you're working with, really.
1: I think if I had gone into debt, I would have drowned because I am such an anxious person and that the fear of it would have been pretty crushing to my art practice. I also think, I think there's a part of me that when I went to grad school, I was young, you know, I was like 23 and I wanted and had this fantasy of it being this like really hard ass, like we're all like hard ass edgy painters and we're going to take it to the limit. Um, And (laughs) like, it was not that intense. Um, And like, I think my year kind of brought some intensity, but you know, I think I wanted to be, I wanted someone to make me cry. Um, And I didn't get that grad school experience. Like no one made me cry except myself. Um, And so I think for a long time there's just a part of me that wishes someone had made me cry, that I went to a school that made me cry because I wanted to see what that would do. <laughs> but that's a pretty like sadomasochistic thing to want, and maybe would have been horrible, and I wouldn't be where I am today because of it.
0: But no, I th- I think it's a it's a valid question. I mean, every well, a the grass is always greener in a way. Like you, oh, well, you you always want to experience the other thing. But I mean, there's people who you know. Join the Marines because they want to see if they can handle boot camp and right. if they'll crack or if they're going to get stronger and become a stronger person. You know what I mean? If they can yeah. handle that kind of training, so you know, I, I think it's it's fair. It's a fair question. You know, how would I yeah. do against this or that? Part of me thinks, I mean, not often, ever really, but once in a blue moon, I'll think like, oh, I wonder if I stuck it out in med school, if I could have been a doctor, like if I would have been a surgeon. Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, you know what I mean? It's an interesting question, but. I think, you know, every choice you make is, like, the right choice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Not every choice. There's got to be that's, some bad that's choices. That's totally
0: wrong. Like, that's uh, not I, right that, at all. That's not true at all. I was just talking out my ass. Uh,
1: I wanted to support you in that moment, but I, I realized I owed it to my inner cynic. to, to
0: Right. <laughs> it's like when your partner says, like, oh, your hair looks terrible today. That's not the right thing to say. That's you not just the right gotta, thing to say. You can't do that. Yeah, you look great. Uh,
1: that's funny (laughs) so yeah i went to like a genuinely supportive like really interesting program that uh was really influenced by the uh colin gardner who was the like theory professor and he does a lot on film uh film and so i started of course making movies i started making stop animation films and that was like my thesis exhibition was this eight and a half minute stop animation film about um these pioneers that like get killed by bears and it's just ridiculous i mean great <laughs> smart and wonderful one, I, it's that it's one, like that
0: took a left turn there i wasn't thinking oregon <laughs> trail was gonna happen
1: there. <laughs> the work i mean the work changed between um undergrad and grad school which was funny because it's like I, impl- I applied with this very sexy work and then i decided i wasn't that interested in that but i was interested in power and like ultimately what I was interested in was power and mythology these different kinds of mythology. And, uh, then I was really looking at like American mythology and this idea of, um, like manifest destiny and how screwed up all of that is. And these like ways in which people lie to themselves and then do horrible things. Uh, and so that's what my work in grad school was about. And so, um, I was looking at like folk musicals from the 1960s, like Oklahoma and Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and that kind of build up and character character development and just the media, all of it. I was very grad schooly. I was very much a grad student and uh, grad school. It's
0: <laughs> a good adjective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was a little grad schooly in grad school. I was
1: grad schooly has angsty. Um,
0: That's cool, though, that you were getting into film. Like, the film was entering into the equation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My first two shows in Los Angeles, um, the film was, like, really important. And my first review I got in the LA Times, um, it was, like, this huge painting show and sculptures and film. And the review was all about the film. Like, it didn't mention the paintings at all, which is funny, because I was, like, thought of myself as a painter. But in right. truth, looking at that body of the work, the film was by far the most interesting thing. Um and I, I think that I hope that the paintings have caught up to the film.
0: Definitely. I mean I haven't seen that early show, but <laughs> the paintings hold their own. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So the the sort of cinematic influence. Did that slowly migrate its way into the painting, into the still image, basically? Totally, yeah. You're still yeah. into that. I was reading an interview where you were talking about you're really interested in that sort of like the dark side of people and conversely the the positive too. But is that something that that you tapped into with film?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it was... I think what I liked about film and how the film influenced the paintings was about narrative... Like, I remember making my first stop animation film in grad school. And I built this, like, beautiful set and this, like, weird little puppet. And he's, like, walking around. And I had this moment where I was, like, oh, something has to happen. Like, something has to unfold. He can't just be w- walking into different <laughs> tableaus and that's the whole movie. Right. And, um, and then I made the next one and, like, you know, wrote a whole script and... Uh, timed it with the music. And then when I started looking at the paintings, it was. I started thinking about like the pregnant moment, like a moment in which everything is frozen, but everything starts to reveal itself. Like, I, I don't know, it's like the paintings just got bigger, even though they were still the same size and it was still just a single image. The implied narrative started to expand. Um, like, I guess the world creation got bigger for a yeah. large period of time, yeah
0: well, that's um, it's kind of poetic. You know, I noticed that the shift in the work too mm. seems to I'm probably wrong, but I mean they the early work looked like it was more about this scene or this image, right and the implications of that, whereas the newer work feels more of like there's almost like microcosms of activities and worlds that are that are butting up against each other.
1: Yeah, and I think
0: th- And the, the palette, too, obviously, is, like, like really the vibrant, different. yeah, the, the total shift. When did that shift happen? Was that post-post school, like, way after school? Yeah, or?
1: so I think, so I was looking at, like, sets and MGM musicals and these really over-the-top uh, worlds and landscapes, and then looking at a lot of art history, um, and then I had this show, the, the show I was just referring to in L.A., and I didn't like it anymore <laughs> it felt um, I don't know just too f- it was like veering into fantasy in a way that I was not interested in it it, it was just too far into like that world of representational painting that I didn't yeah. want to be in right and so there was this realignment where I was like I need to look at different things um, and one of the things that I looked at was my uh, great uncle so my grandmother's brother was a filmmaker and not a filmmaker sorry he was a cameraman uh in like the 1960s and 70s and when he died we discovered that he was this voyeuristic hoarder that he had like he recorded everything he took pictures of everything um including like softcore porn and there was like a ton of it from the 1960s these like slides and I inherited these when he when he died when I was a teenager. I can sh- well. <laughs> we're on you Zoom. inherited. <laughs> can I show you my uncle's porn? porn? It's in my desk. <laughs> 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 so anyway, I started uh, looking at at these images and making paintings off of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was for my show with with Bravin Lee in New York. And I it forced me to learn a totally different language. Like it was a different era. It wasn't about art history. It was about A time period
0: so it was a totally it was a totally different it wasn't art historical it was like this other sort of presentation of this
1: other thing right and it forced me to not think of space in terms of landscape like all of my paintings were basically landscapes at that point with people in them and most of these were interiors and so it was like how imaginative can I be with um a wall. (laughs) like How how much enthusiasm and strangeness can I get into just a wall? And that was really um, fertile ground for my brain and my imagination to kind of run with it. And it's like little things of, I remember working on this painting, um, it's called Scar, and it's a woman with a scar on her belly. And she, um, the like, the way in which her crotch and then thighs meet create this y shape and then Mm -hmm. i remember creating a similar y shape with the carpet and uh the wall of like just the edge of the wall behind her and then this this rhythm like a, a visual rhyme being created with such little information and that was a huge aha moment for me where it was like how can i start to create these inner complexities in a painting that are purely visual. And in a lot of ways, kind of like verging into abstraction, that it's just about color and form. and Formal issues. Yeah. And then how does that infuse sort of like a deeper inner psychology into the painting itself? And it became this other way for me to talk about the artificial, which is something I've always returned to in my work in these different ways. Um, And to me, it felt like this... I wouldn't say a new way because people have been doing it, but it felt like putting it in painting, like I, I could start to make it my own and it wouldn't feel like I was copying somebody else or like trying to do a new version of this thing someone else had already done. Um, So I was looking at a lot of like, like my, my guy was Stanley Kubrick, right? Um, Like the way that he builds worlds and um creates visual storytelling through sets and form like figures in those sets um was really exciting to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the 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 formal elements of those movies. I mean, yeah. like, you know, just I immediately think of The Shining and just how like the symmetry in that movie is amazing. Like, oh my amazing. god.
1: Yeah, like
0: <laughs> you can just watch that just for the formal elements and like totally. count the amazing shots of you know the ways breaking up the picture plane in this sort of geometric play and stuff it's it's really cool
1: it's like one of my favorite visual resources of all time is that film yeah and then yeah, of, and really then good. the story is fantastic right and so it's I like that it's too. both
0: right and i'm sure you love spoiler you can't spoil that movie remember at the end when there's the picture on the wall uh-huh. And playing that old timey jazz. Yes, it's like the perfect. Oh, it's so good. It's so
1: good. It's Have good. Really you heard Deerhoof's cover of that song at the end?
0: No, I haven't.
1: They do. But, they do like a cover of the Shining songs, and it's so good. Oh, that's
0: cool. I okay. gotta check that out. I recommend I, it. Deerhoof's one of those bands that I respect, and I, I like their music. I just haven't dug deep into their, their opera, but yeah that's a good transition to music because i wanted to ask you about oh, no. along the way so early on the jazz <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff what mm-hmm. has music been important as your but where have your tastes gone and have oh, they evolved gosh. on a parallel track to your painting
1: um yeah i mean i i'm a music e person um i feel like <laughs> my t- my taste is very like socal right like sublime uh, like sublime, I love Sublime, and I love No Doubt, and that's basically Rancid. where it stops. Um, now, like, Mac DeMarco was a, pr- like oh, a big so guy. he's so good. That
0: he, dude is so funny.
1: He's funny. Have I, you seen him live?
0: I haven't seen him live, but I've seen live videos of him in interviews, and the yeah. guy cracks me up. He's, he's hilarious. He's Canadian, funny. though. Canadians yeah. are just-,
1: that's just... I guess he's not from California, but I, when I think of California, that's like the vibe that I think of. Oh, do you like a
0: home shake? You would like home shake?
1: Hmm. I don't know who that is. Oh, or maybe I, like I do. I, and I don't hooked know their you name. Up. I'm bad at names. Um, but I have this like insane Spotify pay- playlist that I play in class, and um, my young st- my students are like normal age students, right? So like 18 and 19, and I'm always like, okay, the 37 year old woman's gonna play <laughs> your music for you, <laughs> and then. Like the know greatest, what you're always a little like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the greatest is they'll like Shazam. They're like, "Who is this? Oh my god, your music taste is so cool!" And I'm just, I'd like try to play it cool, but inside I'm like, ah, ah, "They like me. They like me. I'm still young. They <laughs> <laughs> so still think I'm cool."
0: <laughs> right. Nice. Well done. It's a good feeling.
1: It's a great feeling, and now it's recorded forever in the podcast that no one will listen to, but maybe one there day. There you go.
0: <laughs> well, you know, maybe one student will listen to it. Bump, bump into it. <laughs> so so commune- so check out Homeshake. I think you okay. might like them if you like Mac DeMarco. Okay. Um, and then are we also talking like you know Snoop Dogg and you know obviously is Snoop it Dogg. all like you know NWA?
1: It's all NWA all the time. Right.
0: Compton. I mean Compton was a, a hotbed of music when you were a youngster. I was so actually young. that might have been before your time. Before your yeah, time, right?
1: I was too little. But yeah. um, I mean, I you know. Like, growing up in Southern California, it was all Blink-182. Um, that wasn't really my my vibe. My vibe was... Um, I was counterculture. I don't know if you can oh. tell, but I'm a counterculture kind of girl. Did you like
0: Elliot Smith or something?
1: Uh, no, I was worse. I liked Ska. Um, There's so, nothing
0: wrong with... I hate when people, like, think Ska is bad. Ska is great.
1: So, I loved Ska. I still paint in my Aquabats t-shirt, um, Don't know that. I'm the Aquabats.
0: <laughs> so here, I'm not trying to be a purist or old, but okay, I love we'll like dub reggae and like ska. Like okay, let's you right. know what I mean. Like the original like Jamaican stuff, uh-huh. and I okay, I think I'd, I I kind of missed the boat on the West Coast, like real big fish. I think is one of oh, the ba- like I those kind of bands.
1: Real big fish. Are they good? Um. I don't know. <laughs> I loved them as a teenager.
0: That's um, why I like rancid because it's kind of got a yeah. ska punk vibe to it. I like I, when ska and punk blend.
1: Combine. Yeah. yeah, that I still hear that music and I like am filled with memories of like the one cool guy that went to my high school that skateboarded and he had a nose piercing and I was just like that's what's just one? That's what <laughs> well my school had ninety students in it. Oh yeah, that's true It was tiny So yeah, it's like That's what cool boys listen to So I would like see boys That were skater boys, you know But like one went to my But I would see them And so it always felt like This other cool world That I Were you going
0: out to see That kind of music?
1: Not as a teenager No Um, The College? College No, I guess really It's like my husband Is really into music And so we started seeing Stuff together so, I knew I liked that guy. I had a yeah, feeling. he's cool. So, he we've, we've seen Mac DeMarco, uh, Ty Siegel, Kurt Vile. Um, like that's kind of when, when Black Francis, like that's when everything started to kind of Black open Francis. up for me musically.
0: Oh my god, the pixies. Yeah, there's a, so good.
1: There's this song by Black Francis. Oh, this, this is like my ultimate secret that I'm telling you. Every, every time I finish a painting for a decade, I put on, um, Tight Black Rubber by Black Francis and dance alone in my studio. That's Um,
0: the closing party for each painting?
1: Each painting, when I finish, that's the song I put on and I dance hard and ugly and I love it. It's like, to me, the ultimate song of freedom and ownership and like, bad boy painter girl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I smoke a cigarette. That's really cool. So you... That's such a great connection though between making visual work and then the, a song being related to that process. Oh yeah. Cuz I was going to ask like what if you if you could describe it like what do you think your paintings sound like music-wise?
1: Oh god. I guess it just would have to be that song, but it's like like it pulls you in with a little bit of of beauty, like the melody's good and then this like this beat of just this sort of primal human desire <laughs> and then it's yeah. it's just like sexy and like I don't know he just, he just sounds like this animal man <laughs> that's probably not how anyone else would describe my paintings but that's like my like time intensive detail paintings but to me it's like all that goes into creating this experience where hopefully you tap into a desire that is true opposed to just one that you were taught uh and yeah that that would be my song
0: see this is what i feel like this is the value i think when you can relate music to making artwork it's such a parallel it's a whole different thing but i think it can give you a different entry point into understanding people's work you know what i mean or how they feel about the work what's your song oh boy um that's a good question I it's think it your question pro- <laughs> no I, th- that was the metaphorical <laughs> <laughs> not literally that's <laughs> no i mean that's that's interesting to think of i think it would probably be something off the start breaking my heart record by uh at that time he was called manitoba but he's called caribou
1: oh yeah okay
0: um, I think that record, ha- there's something there. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of a narrative, but in a place feel to it. Or like a Boards of Canada song, maybe. Or maybe mm-hmm. that's a little too out. Yeah, I don't know. I'd you have, have to, to have an
1: answer, or like a really detailed answer, since you ask your, your artist that question. <laughs> Unless you've answered this every time. Like, every time you've asked no, someone this.
0: not at all. Okay. And um, obviously, because I don't have a stock answer for it, <laughs> but... Through. um yeah i don't know what i but i would say that manitoba record was big okay. like i knew when i listened to that record i was like i think this is kind of what i want the vibe of my artwork to to sound like or or look like
1: yeah yeah i mean
0: it changes over time too you know it sometimes it gets a little more pointed or you know it's always like a moment thing it's like if someone asks you every five years what's your top five like records mm-hmm. it's probably going to change it's I don't think it's gonna be the same every single time,
1: unless it's real big fish, and then it's just on your top five forever.
0: That's a good point. That's a good. What's your top five ska records?
1: <laughs> I actually just don't remember. It's it was so old, but I just remember being Did... obsessed with real big fish and the Aquabats.
0: Like I don't even know the Aquabats.
1: There, it's. I kind of think it's like kids' music now. It's very silly. It's silly is dialed up to about a hundred. Um, did but you I was a silly gal. Did
0: you ever listen to like Desmond Decker or like the Jamaican ska, like the no, original stuff?
1: Just like sad, s- Southern California girl ska.
0: That's not sad, is it? Ska always seems so sad. upbeat and happy. Big
1: ba- Remember um, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy?
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. They were almost like swing slash ska. That was swing. Slash. My
1: brother did swing. He was like a swing dancer, competitive, and he did the whole thing, like the hat. Oh, he wore so this, great. He wore a Stetson hat, and he didn't smoke, but he'd have, like, the cigarette pack and his shirt.
0: He'd, like, throw the partner under the legs and oh, like, yeah. scoop him up and all that stuff. He could it's do the amazing. flippies, you know? Yeah. I think
1: that's the technical term. Flippies. Grad school-y. <laughs> <laughs> i
0: I'm pretty music-y.
1: I have a rich <laughs> vocabulary.
0: And listen, that's the gift of the English language. Just add Y to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. This is getting podcasty. It really? <laughs> so what are you working on these days no no that was a joke oh god (laughs) what do you like what's the are you working on something specific now like a show or
1: so i i have a show up right now that comes down next week uh and that was the entire show was made in almost exactly one year and i started it when my baby was five months old uh and so it was crazy it was like the stupidest thing I've ever done in terms of trying to make my life manageable and happy. Um, but I feel like I keep saying this I've said this multiple times to people, but I want to qualify it for the record that it's because I was given the opportunity to have a show at this beautiful space and you don't wanna not do that. Like it, it was You don't want
0: you don't want to pass it up.
1: You don't want to pause so I just went for it, um, and I yeah I put together this show and it's finished and then I like swore I wasn't gonna paint for a few months um and then of course like I have a painting that I just started uh working on yesterday because I can't stop um working because I'm a crazy person
0: I hear you I was promised after my recent show that just closed that I was going to take a break and I got. I ordered four stretchers and started back up. Good for you. But sometimes you you. gotta strike while the iron's hot, you know. Oh, can I ask a question? Oh, sure. Not to interrupt. Was Dawn in that show? It was. Yeah. It's a pretty great image.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's
0: real, beautiful and haunting at the same time. I think. Yeah. Maybe not haunting, but there's there's a maybe it's just the fact that the baby is alone, but obviously right. someone's there to looking or taking the photo hypothetically, right. but there is something beautiful, peaceful, serene, and almost haunting of just the yeah. baby with the landscape.
1: So it's, I think there's like a vulnerability to it. To yeah. that Like little body. Um, yeah. I mean, that was the show. I, I definitely think you look at that body of work and you can tell that I made it, but it's different than my last show for sure. Um, And I think it's this really intense time capsule of what it's like to be a new parent, like the first year and a half of your child's life. What does it mean to make art and come into contact with this kind of just mind blowing love and total loss of identity (laughs) that just like everything is like placed at the altar of the baby and selflessness and. Yeah, and you know. I love being selfish. <laughs> it was just well, not an Right. It's kind of
0: like, that's what having kids, I mean, I say that a lot on the podcast that one of the biggest shifts when I had a kid was just, it wasn't all about me The work You realize that stuff doesn't really matter anymore. Like all yeah. your energy and life, it's beautiful. And, you know, I don't, maybe not an appropriate time, but I mean, just a big shout to like mothers, man. Like what mothers do. It's so amazing, you know, that it's just, it never, and then you have, I'm not going to get into it, people trying to make decisions for women and what they can do. It's just so frustrating, but what women do, and I think, like lately, the past couple weeks, I've been thinking about it more because a pigeon built a nest on our balcony, (laughs) and every day I watch this pigeon, I go out there, and she is sitting on that egg. Yeah. And like, I'll go close to her, you know, because I'm moving things or doing, I have to do things on the balcony and she won't move. She just, she's going to guard those babies. The dedication. And the other day it was pouring rain. And I don't think this pigeon is that smart because, or the couple was smart because they put the nest not in the underhang. So they were, she was just getting poured on and she just sat there and kept that egg warm. It's so amazing, you know, that dedication.
1: I'm that pigeon. I'm gonna keep my baby warm. <laughs> I'm gonna be in there. Exactly. The now it, it is. It's mind blowing. Just the the love and the commitment and just the way you like dissolve away um, from yourself. And then you know you think about the different stages when a new child enters your life. And I think there's a lot of emphasis in the beginning on there's a new baby and you aren't sleeping and it's so crazy. But the hardest part is when you try to reoccupy your life like when you walk back down to the studio and your child is upstairs crying and it's like okay i have to do this like i have to occupy artist laura and um i think the show is it's truthfully about that of like trying to reoccupy that person and now that it's done i feel this tremendous sense of freedom of like I can paint about whatever I want again and um it's like I had to make that show about that thing and now I want to just do whatever I want and not on a deadline for like a minute like I just want to make something and not be afraid of failing
0: yeah I, it's just I mean moms it's amazing shout I, out I feel to the like moms I'm pretty, I feel like I'm a pretty committed dad, you know what I mean, and I'm 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 there, I'm present, and I try yeah. to be as, you know, but it's nothing compared to what mom. I mean, you know, it's it's just amazing. Sorry, I didn't mean to interject that into the conversation or How on you. How dare you, you but
1: compliment mothers and acknowledge <laughs> their sacrifices? I didn't want to go on a,
0: didn't want to go on a tangent, but I don't know. It's it's been nice to talk to you because you know you're. It's, it's, a, you're relatively new in the experience of it, right? Yeah. You know, oh, I'm right at the you beginning. You like She's 30 year olds. So uh, it's intense. I remember when I was, I didn't have a lot of friends who had kids whenever I was, my kid was little and I wanted to talk about it more. Yeah. You know? And it was just like, is anyone, am I crazy? I was like, is this hard? <laughs> like, is this, is this not hard for everyone? You know what I mean? Like, you feel yeah. like, where's my people at right now? You know, it's, so.
1: I feel like such a jerk talking. I feel like I keep talking to people about how it's hard. Um, and no it is it's hard you should
0: everyone should you're not saying that like you don't want to do it's just it's tough you know
1: right totally and all these things about like you know talking about being an artist and having children and how that was such a taboo for a long time and I think people are really pushing against that now and it's more accepted and out in the open but sometimes that feels like this tremendous amount of pressure to be like no I can do it all like I can be an artist and be a mother and I'm both these people and how dare you exclude me. But then to actually be trying to do it and feeling just like just weeping in your studio as you stand in two inches of water because it flooded and your child's crying upstairs and like having to do this. It's um, it's I'm a different person now than I was two years ago Um, and like realize what my hope is that that's okay you know that that i don't have to be 28 forever that i can get into my late 30s and into my 40s and into my 50s and still have something valid and interesting to say that other people will care about
0: Um, oh completely Uh, Well, i will say two things one is um you know, I haven't been to your shows over the years. I haven't seen your shows over the years. I've see I can see the work, but yeah. I feel like the newest work is just like next level. Like I feel like it's getting deeper, mm-hmm. and just it's stronger. I think you know what I mean. Like I'm yeah. there's it's it's hitting on different levels, and you know, and I can say from experience, like I'm pretty close to fifty now, and mm-hmm. I feel like I have more to say or more. I'm I'm kind of like enjoying the the kind of feeling of like, you know what? Like I've earned like yes. where I, f- how I feel now. And I feel very comfortable in whatever mistakes I want to make or whatever dumb stuff I want to, well, you know what I mean? It was just like, what yeah. you know, age gives yeah. you this experience, gives you this nice um, feeling that you, you're you okay with what you do. You know what I mean? yeah
1: mm-hmm. Well, first just thank you that um, that actually means a lot. And uh, that's something to look forward to, you know, that, I hope it's a place that I get to. I think I'm working on it. I think there's just this fear of how does the artist I am and will always be no matter what intersect with the rest of the world, right? Like we, we sell paintings in order to make more paintings right. <laughs> that, that like participation in this world isn't just reliant on being earnest. It's reliant yeah. on people agreeing and thinking that this is interesting and doing something with it and I think I'm still at that place in my career where I'm thinking like is this okay you know is is this new version of me okay and the next version of me okay and um no matter what I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be me (laughs) like I can't fake being anybody else but me and I'm just waiting to see what happens in the next few years
0: yeah well it's there's an excitement in that and right. you know you have to look towards the positive because it sure isn't staying up late that's not going to get any easier <laughs>
1: that's true and also <laughs> this it's all just gravy right like i get to make paintings and people buy them and sometimes they'll get into a museum collection and maybe this will happen and maybe that will happen and maybe all my wildest dreams will come true where nothing will happen at all like it's it's wonderful like, it's it's um, hard and difficult and sad, but, like, it's a wonderful example of what just living life is, too. It's wonderful and difficult and sad.
0: Yeah, and after after the last two years of the crap we went through, I mean, you know, every day I'm in the studio, I'm just like, yes, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. gift.
1: Yes, You know, because totally.
0: like, we could have just been locked in and locked and, you know. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like you know, thankful for that, the ability to do it, you know?
1: Yeah. At this, like, this last weekend, I went down, you know, to Los Angeles to give an artist walkthrough, and I went to some openings and a party, and it was the first time it kind of felt like things were really happening again, that there was yeah. that feel. not everyone, everyone wasn't, like, freaked out giving furtive glances <laughs> as they right, ran out right. of the space. Like, it yeah. felt like we were all starting to connect again, and it was really exciting. Um, it's nice, I feel, right? I feel hopeful.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, people were saying New York was dead or everyone moved out and it's done or whatever. And it's like, this place is jumping.
1: It will never be dead.
0: No, I know. It's New York. And it's just, you know, people, I think people got a little bit of glee. Some people were just like into saying like, yeah, I heard it's like bonfires under bridges and, you know, no one, all the stores closed forever. And, you know, this place is like jumping.
1: Everyone wants to declare everything dead all the time.
0: I know. Not but us, weird, though. Right? <laughs> nope. Painting's alive and kicking. Pa-
1: painting's alive, dang it.
0: <laughs> painting. It's funny, how it's you never hear like, well, maybe. I was going to say, you never really hear sculptures dead or ceramics, man. That's dead. Ceramics like, is no. dead. But painting loves to be pronounced dead. People love dead. killing the painting. Yeah. yeah. That's because it's, it's privileged. It does well all the time. You know, it's kind of like pedestally painting
1: yeah it's because it's the best <laughs> just kidding it's not it's,
0: it's we're an hour and a half in everyone checked out at this point <laughs> all the secrets gone. can be secrets at this point <laughs> <laughs> well how can uh what's the best way for people to check out your work where you know you sh- well i think by the time this comes up unfortunately your show will be down but yeah no know, so I, I how can I, people sh- see
1: it? a show at luis de jesus in los angeles i'm on the instagram with my name Laura Krifka and I have a website also that is my name.
0: Sounds good. And your, it, is your debut ska album available to the public?
1: I'm working on it. Uh, Bandcamp. <laughs> Bandcamp SoundCloud
0: SoundCloud <laughs> is that what you're gonna post? <laughs> I got Wait, some do you know what Bandcamp is? Say Bandcamp again? is like a Bandcamp is like an uh, where you can upload your music.
1: Oh, I just thought that that was the name of my ska band that you came up. It with. It can be band does, doesn't
0: this so all ska bands should have the name Scott in the title right like the scatolites or whatever okay. are.
1: yeah the scatological painter girl poop painter girl is where i went with that sorry that's not a good right, that's, on. i'm sorry <laughs>
0: <listening>. <laughs> that was so good my headphones fell off <laughs> 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 um yeah we'll keep an eye out for the ska record but yeah thanks so much for taking the time out to talk i you know, it was very kind of you. Sorry for the scheduling was a little crazy, but we made it happen.
1: Yeah, we did it. It was super fun. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you. Big thank you to all your listeners. Please, if you like Sound and Vision, take a minute or two and leave it a rating and review On any platform, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. It really helps out. And uh, please consider getting a pre-order copy of Why I Make Art, the Sound of Vision Podcast book. Many thanks to Laura for taking the time to talk, for Weird Inside for the music, the intro, and Michael Lovett for the introduction still out there on tour with Metronomy so check him out and his solo project is called Nazca Lines and well worth the listen many thanks to Golden Artist Colors for the long withstanding sponsorship and making the best paint you can get A big thank you to Fulcrum Coffee Roasters for keeping them caffeinated and check out their subscription program of getting coffee delivered to your door every other week check out fulcrum coffee on their website thanks to new york studio school check out their programs and lots of great episodes coming up so stay tuned thanks for your support